1: Welcome to the Joey Park Radio Hour. I'm your host, Joey, and alongside me is Emily Hayes.
0: Yes, it's me. Can I get some volume. Some volume, yeah. I can turn it up. I think like I get deafer and defer as the years go oh, on. Oh
1: that's happening to me too. Oh man. Yeah, I'm I hate being the guy in living and going,
0: turn it up. Turn the TV up, man. I hate when people get in my car and they're like, what is wrong with you? Nothing. They're like, it's entirely too loud. You can turn it down. I'm not that kind of person. When no. I'm driving, even if I'm just going three miles, I want it. I want the music loud enough to just surround me. I'm in the car yeah. by myself so much. So I'm not trying to cross a railroad track, y'all. Well, I'm that way with,
1: you know, if the roommates aren't trying to sleep. There's a reason we have this butt kicking 5.1 surround stereo system mm-hmm. that we set up. Turn it up, man! I want it to rumble my butt a bit <laughs> when you know when the big you know spacecraft comes flying by. I want to feel it, yeah. Just hear it, yeah. So it's uh, turn it up, turn it up. So how was your New Year's uh, celebration? Did you go out? I did. Okay. I did.
0: I did. I've got some great friends. Um, in Prattville, and we went to the Pratt Pub, which was awesome because after midnight they had a complimentary breakfast. Oh, like, wow! Really nice spread. Those those folks do it was right. It bacon. Uh, there was. I don't, I'm trying to remember, Joey. Um, <laughs> there was biscuits and gravy, and like Oof. breakfast casserole and hash brown casserole. Oof. I'm sure there was meat because you know meat. But I was. Um, I, I was trying <laughs> this guy. Just
1: oh, he was hitting. Me.
0: Leading up to midnight, couldn't. Like
1: He was going for the kiss.
0: He you know, we were set at the the end of the bar and he had walked over from across the way and did the whole I just have to say. Yeah. You're the most beautiful woman in the room. Sometimes that works. And I was like, Thank you, that's very kind. I don't know what I'm supposed to say in those situations. Right. Like I felt like that was fine. I'm not the best at accepting compliments or anything like that. I'm big at like Making fun of myself, but it, it was a bold move. Uh, it yeah,
1: yeah. Sometimes the bold move works out.
0: And you know, I politely said thank you. That's so very kind. You know, and and then it was you know, will you please dance with me? I said no, nope, man, I don't dance. I'm sorry. Yeah. And it was he was very persistent, and um, eventually my thank you, no, you're very kind. Happy New Year. He went back to his friends. I was talking to my friend Ashley and. And our buddies that were there, a dude came back a second time. Mm-hmm. I see you on your phone. What do you do? Get up and dance with me. I was like, well, you know, we're communicating with our friends who aren't with us here, showing them the good time that we're having. We're seeing the good time that they're having, you know, with people that we would like to be here. So, you know, I so said, also, I can do whatever I like. And I don't like to dance. I'm sorry, I've told you. And he kept on with the the flattery. Now,
1: was he went uh, away. a little intoxicated? Oh, well, yeah. I well, mean, I this is
0: in the 11 o'clock hour. And so then he came back a third time. And the third time was, look, I'm not married. I don't have any kids. I have a job. I have retirement. My bills are paid. I wow. got a house. like, And I was just like, sorry. I just. Please, just one... No, man. I don't know if you're trying to win a bet or something, but no, I'm not going to dance with you. Thank you for saying that I'm kind-looking. I really hope you enjoy your New Year's. And then, wouldn't you know, like, seven seconds after I say I don't dance, my friend Ashley, she's like, all right, dance train around the pub. And so, just holding on to the back first shirt, just going around like Soul Train. And I was... But the thing is, is I, you know... That's how all women are liars. No, but I'm not You, you know, put yourself out there and they just turn you down. I don't know him. I wouldn't have been comfortable in a you know, let's right. go slow dance situation. No. Unless he was being <clears throat> excuse me, he was being really aggressive about it. And I was trying to be as kind as possible. And uh yeah, so Well so that was that was my new years, Joey. Why
1: are, no, that's the whole news. It sounded like this I had this one dude who was persistent, I turned him down. And then I had a great time with my friends. Mm-hmm. We did the Soul Train thing.
0: I, I had a fantastic time. you know, it was different for me. Um, it's the first New Year's I've rung in, in in Prattville, like going out and doing something. I've yeah. lived here for about a year and a half now uh, in Montgomery and in Prattville. And you, you know how much I travel. Mm-hmm. I mean, anybody that listens to the morning show knows how much I travel. But, um, you know, I from October. To this past weekend, I had spent one weekend in my apartment, and
1: your apartment has essentially become Betty Ho White. <laughs> yeah. Sorry to go, old Bob Ross, on you.
0: It's there. hilarious. Titanium white. <laughs> um, I love this white. Um, I just want to roll around it in all nature's majestic white powder. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I'm never at home, and. I I was tired. I was like, you know, I'd like to not be wrecked for another week from having mm. to run the roads. And that's yeah. just how the holidays, especially the holidays are in my family. So I stayed and some some great friends in Prattville made sure I had a great time. And great. it was phenomenal, except for old home dude. Lord help.
1: Yeah, there's... um, I don't want to give away the bit because I watched the Dave Chappelle specials. Mm. But he came up with the ultimate feminist point for men who are like what do you mean, like, what women go through? And he, well, I don't want to give away his bit. It's really good, though. His, I'll, I'll give it away! <laughs> Alright? It's not that crucial. But he uh-huh. said, essentially, when he was young, he would do shows for guys he knew were involved in drugs to, you know, help launder their money. But he did a legit comedy show, they'd give him cash. Mm-hmm. And so one day, they gave him, like, 20 grand in cash. Whoa. He goes back on the subway, and he immediately starts going... Oh man, I've never had this something this valuable on me that somebody would kill me for it. Mm-hmm. And then he had this thought. He went, "Wait, what if I had uh, that thing Donald Trump grabs on me all the time?" Oh, yeah. And it, it's like sunk in for him. He goes, "Now I I get where people are coming from." It's like, okay, now me, my New Year's Eve, I was sick. Bless your heart. Yeah, I was. uh Oh, it was terrible.
0: And this wasn't sick from having a big time no. and having to recuperate. This was sick from you got. I'm. I'm not. I don't. Some sort of bug in the stomach. I'm thinking
1: maybe I ate an old corn dog. No, oh. it was food poisoning. Oh, it was no. just terrible. Not
0: the corn dog.
1: Like I feel fine now. And what was weird yesterday is I would feel fine. Like, I don't feel, like, weak or sick or anything.
0: Are you staying hydrated? Have you yeah. had Gatorade? plenty
1: of water and Gatorade. Yeah, yeah, because there's electrolytes mm-hmm. back. Yeah, I feel fine, but after then... Everything
0: we'll, exits.
1: We'll see after I eat tonight.
0: Fingers crossed.
1: Yeah. So that's how I mostly spent my New Year's Eve, but I did some cleanup out of myself. But, uh, well, I did that, but that, I'm saying too much. I want to tell everybody in detail how my New Year's Eve day and, like, New Year's Day was, but I can't. It's just inappropriate. Oh, Yeah, for me to share all the dirty details of, like, how nasty the human body can be.
0: Yeah, it can be quite terrible. It's disgusting. We all know. Anybody who's ever had a child knows how gross it can be. Exactly. Especially when they
1: Mm -hmm.
0: uh, dated a guy. He had two kids. And um, Mm -hmm. it was cold. And so we had them in their onesies. And so the next morning, I wake up and I just go into the boys' room to make sure that they're okay. And they're just watching something on TV. And I just smell something horrible. It's wretched. Mm-hmm. And I looked at the youngest one, and I said, JC, you okay? And he just kind of shook his head, no, Miss Emmy. And I was like, no, oh, no. no. I said, what's wrong, buddy? And, and so uh, I said, you know, did you have an accident? And he was like shaking his head. He was all ashamed and stuff because he'd been working on potty training and all that. And I just felt for the little dude, sweet kid. And... uh I mean, this was like the human equivalent of shake and bake, but with number two, because he was in a onesie, like with the like the footy pajamas. Like took him to the bathroom to get him cleaned up. Didn't know the severity of the situation. Like started to unzip his his little onesie. And I was like, oh my god, it's cascading everywhere. Start screaming for his dad to come in there. Oh man, bless his heart. Oh, but nothing nothing is just so sad to see a kid who's working so hard on being potty trained have an accident. Oh, I feel so bad for... I'll never forget that. So I don't know why I shared that. The the body is gross.
1: Yeah, it it can be. But, you know, we we overcome it. We rise above it.
0: I cleaned my apartment since I was home. Um, I cleaned my apartment from top to bottom because I thought, you know, I'm going to go out New Year's Eve... I have New Year's Day off. I don't want to spend it cleaning the apartment. The apartment needs to be cleaned, like it needs to be vacuumed and you know Windex. And I have cats, and so if you don't stay on top of those ghost hairballs that just the fur balls that roll around, yeah, you it could would be them up. Yeah, you could make a fur coat out of them. But so I did that, and then I rested, and I went out, and then yesterday, a very kind soul dropped off. Pedialyte and a handful of Gatorades at my nice. door. Because your
1: bones hurt? Yeah, my bones are hurting. So you were kind of sick from the having fun. I
0: wouldn't say I was so much sick as just uh, yeah. I've been
1: <laughs> You're not an amateur, I'll put it that way.
0: I was about to say, I'm not proud of this, but I've been in worse off situations right. oh, yeah. and still had to be fully functional the next day, which I don't do that much anymore because I'm an adult now, kind of, sort of. Right. It's a lie, it's a lie.
1: No, but I have something we brought up And I really brought it up as a joke The last time you were on the show Mm -hmm. But Mariah Carey I told you that she was reinventing herself I do That she would be redeemed Uh -uh. And in fact, ladies and gentlemen And all those in between Mariah Carey went out on New Year's Eve And she killed it She killed
0: it But she still has like a full on diva moment Of where's my hot tea Yeah, but that was a joke That was her being self aware She's just, she is just too roller coaster for me. Give me Taylor Dane.
1: No, oh, I like Taylor Dane. Taylor
0: Dane's yeah. amazing. I'm
1: glad you introduced that to me.
0: I'm happy to have done that for yeah, you, Joey. But,
1: I, but I'm just saying that Mariah Carey, she brought herself back from essentially. It's going to have to, or her long
0: standing gig of New Year's Eve is going to be given away. Well, she's she's the voice of a generation. Oh,
1: God. Like the voice of an angel.
0: No, Joey. No. No.
1: no. I mean, how can you argue with this? I mean, She's constantly, from the early 90s to the early 2000s, to today, managed to reinvent herself and stay relevant enough to be able to do a New Year's Eve celebration concert.
0: Did you see Steve Harvey?
1: No, I did not. Oh, man. I was asleep, actually, when the ball dropped and all that was going on.
0: <laughs> oh, well, it was He uh, was an angel in white.
1: Oh, really?
0: He had his big white coat on and all that stuff, and his mustache. Sometimes he looks like Mr. Potato Head. Yes, <laughs> he does. Bless his heart. I love wow. Steve Harvey though. He cracks me up. No,
1: but I was um, while I was sick, most of the, I listened to some podcasts and I've been really on this big kick with Jordan Peterson, this uh, neuropsychologist. Like mm-hmm. he's a researcher, a professor. And it, you know, you bring up the cleaning your room stuff. Is that there's a basic like psychological thing when you clean your room. That we don't see, like, when we're walking around in our everyday life, we don't see, like, objects. Like, we, if, say you're in a rush, and you're trying to get into the studio here, and you're just thinking, I want to get into the studio and sit down in the chair, maybe it's in the morning, and somebody just happens to put a trash can, like, in the walkway, and you run into it. You don't think, why is this trash can here? That's so peculiar. You go, what's this damn object here, and who? Yeah, here? yeah, It just becomes this obstacle.
0: I always blame things on you anyway. Right, well, that's fine because I I do pull a lot of strings. But
1: uh, when you go into your room and it's constantly messy, it's your peripheral is kind of sending messages to you that, oh, there's an obstacle there. That could be a snake in the grass. Like, it doesn't allow you to relax. Uh, okay. Because your mind, the way it works is you focus on what you're focusing on and most everything is irrelevant.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so if you're letting things steal from your focus and like your very room that you're supposed to be able to feel relaxed in is a mess, uh, you're probably going to have a lot of issues. See, okay. And I, I'm talking about myself here.
0: And it's very... it's. I wouldn't have thought... Uh, words. I think that I would have described something similar to that, but not have had the science to back it up. Yeah. Because my thing was, is you know, I had a pile of laundry over here, and I had a stack of books and DVDs that hadn't been put up, and I had multiple bottles of Gatorade, and just... And it creates and, obstacle after obstacle, and I, after obstacle. And I knew and I knew that, you know, I've got an extended amount of time at home. I never get that, ever. Um, I mean, because look where I am right now. And I was here at 5.30 this morning. So I haven't been home since I left my house first thing this morning. So I don't always have time and I don't always feel like it when I get home to do stuff. But that's not the point. The point is, is that I knew that I had some time off. And I knew that I just wanted to relax on Monday. I did not have to worry about anything. I wanted to watch PBS, and then I wanted to watch the game and not have to stress about doing laundry or cleaning the bathroom or cleaning my bedroom or vacuuming upstairs, because I hate looking in the vacuum upstairs, and uh, you know doing dishes and, and that stuff. So I did it all Sunday. And it felt like a child being like, okay, my chores are done. I can go outside and play. That's it It's what it reminded me of. But there's no way I would have been able to relax if, uh, if I hadn't done that. My dad's calling. Oh, wow.
1: <laughs> I mean, we can hit a break here.
0: No, we? no, no, no. It's fine. Dad... Um, he texts in the morning while we're on the show. I didn't say good morning to him. Oh! But my sister, Elizabeth, had downloaded the app and she was listening. And so I said hello to her and my nephews. And I get this sad face, crying face from my dad that's just like... So sensitive. Well, and he started feeding these raccoons that are coming up on his porch. No, don't do that. And I'm like, Dad, you can't do that. Maybe
1: if you rear a raccoon from
0: its early days. Yeah, but these and... are just random ones. And Mm-mm. it's like, oh, No. And then, you know, the On This Day app on your Facebook thing from five years ago, it's a status that I put up as a quote of my dad that said, Lou, come quick. You got to see this in the backyard. It's a possum the size of George Jones. (laughs) And so that's where it started with the trash pandas. I can't get them to stop, though.
1: Well, I had that plan myself. Like I'm gonna clean. And I did. I cleaned up my room. I kind of cleaned up the house. Got my records in order. Like organized them a little bit. Got mm-hmm. the speaker system working again because I had this wire that was shorting out and it was driving me nuts. So uh, I yeah. want that quad sound. And, and you know, did all this stuff. A little busy work. And I thought, okay, I'm gonna not go out on New Year's Eve. I'm gonna relax. You know, maybe watch something fun and then kind of think about what I'm doing the next week and the years. And then like a dragon from the abyss my stomach turned on me and so i was i couldn't do any of that clear level headed thinking i was just like fighting my own
0: body all weekend yeah and you can't go too far from the loo in those situations no you don't want to be too far it, it creates a level of anxiety and panic yeah you don't want to drive you don't want the John Wayne toilet paper in those situations. You want the Charmin <laughs> bears soft. out in
1: the forest with their softy soft. Yeah, my uh, my good friend Mondays with Troy. Troy yeah, texted yeah. me. I told him what was going on. He's like, "Oh, get a baby wipes. It'll be like an angel's kiss." Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I'll have to pick some up. Definitely have to pick some up. But I wasn't at home base. Is the thing? Yeah, I was at somebody else's place. Yeah, luckily, that's awkward. Too. It was awkward, but you know I it was just brutal truth moment. It's like, it
0: happens to everybody. I think I'm going to throw up here. And there's something going around, man, because, mm-hmm. you know, we've got folks at work that are queasy at, at my other job. And uh, then, so there's, I, I've heard a lot of people say they're having stomach issues. So I believe a stomach bug is going around. Rich, oh, God bless it. I work with this microphone every day. Um, Rich is saying that his throat's scratchy and mm. he's feeling run down. Jay said that after the show this morning. Jay
1: looked sick this morning.
0: Rich said it later this afternoon, you know, and he heard Greg say his thing. He was like, I'm a smoker, I don't get sick and I'm just sitting here like I I know when it's coming and I don't think I'm there yet, but the first thing to get weak is the muscle I use the most. And that's mm. my voice. So I know it's coming. I'm gonna try to like load up on emergency and all the Gatorades ever. No, I think you'll be good. Vitamin C, eat some oranges. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know some what I was, clementine. Uh, clementine. Okay, so this is off subject, but it's about Gatorade. Mm-hmm. And I thought about this during the Bama game last night. I thought about the reasons I drink Gatorade. And it's not because I'm out there being all sporty. Mm-hmm. Right. Trust me. I would like to see the percentage of people who buy Gatorade that are buying it for athletic purposes and for hangover purposes
1: think about it. Hmm. I think most people are going with hangover purposes.
0: I know, right?
1: Because when I was, I, I want to tell Gatorade,
0: you're marketing to the wrong people. Also, when I played
1: sports, I didn't like drinking Gatorade because it would leave a nasty aftertaste and that sort of ticky-tack feeling yeah, in your mouth. Yeah. Uh, where that's good kind of when you're com- coming out of a hangover, it's like, okay, I need this sugar, it gives me a little flavor. But when I was playing sports, I liked water. Yeah. I just drink water.
0: I mean, yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, so, I don't, I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm not to the latest athletic science or something, but.
0: I don't know. I don't know. And the colors kind of change and stuff. Yeah. I have no idea what flavor Gatorade I like. I like the blues. I like the blues after Ooh. I went I went to a doctor and um, I was super sick and he said, you know, do what I say or I'm putting you in the hospital. And he was telling me what to buy and he's like, go buy a bunch of Gatorade, Powerade, whatever you like. He's like, just don't get the red, and red's always been my favorite, like the fruit punch kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and I said, "Why not the red?" and He was like, "It was an ENT," and uh, he said, "Yeah, that'll mess with." It. He said, "If you get the red, you know, if you cough and you see a little red, and it's from the Gatorade, you're gonna think it's." Blood, blood and yeah. think it's something worse, but so now I'm all hooked on the on the blue Gatorades now, and the best Powerade is the one with the white label that's that light blue. It's so good.
1: Now the this one was I don't even know if they have it still, but it was and it's a divisive flavor. And yes, folks, I thought about should I do this epic. New Year's, you know, New Year's show where I'm, like, laying out a mission statement for the year to come.
0: Uh, ah, bless no. it,
1: as you say. <laughs> I'm just gonna have a relaxed show with Emily. And, and I'm glad I saw you this morning. I was like, yeah, let's just do that. Yeah, Because I, I almost drove myself into the ground on Friday's show. With everything going on, I talked about Ben on Wednesday it's, and I just was, I was at my wit's end. I, I came up to, like, 15 minutes left on the clock. Like, I don't have anything. I'm, I'm done. We went through, We went through the ringer Oh, yeah, and we truly did, and so uh, this flavor, mm-hmm. cucumber lime, love it. I love it too. Love it. It's perfect. You can't when drink too much or... of it though, right? But that's what it's good when you are hung up.
0: Yeah, it's oh, it's great. It's crisp, mm-hmm. and it's a little. It's doing this, but it also has this, and it's just like a little flavor dance in your mouth.
1: Yeah. That's so good. It's so good. So, you know, we could talk about uh, Black Mirror, new season
0: out. Okay. You, have you watched that much of that show? I've seen a few episodes. I'm a huge Twilight Zone fan. And it's kind of so, like them. Yeah, so I've seen a couple of episodes, and I like it. But let us remember, I do not have cable internet in my house. Oh, okay. Because I'm never there. Right. Why am I going to pay? I'm never there. Right. Why and I, pay love, for I, it. I love PBS. I love Antiques Roadshow. I'm 78, y'all.
1: Right. Right. But what we're going to talk about after this break yeah. is uh, the passing of, of Rick Hall, who died to, well, I guess today at 85.
0: Yeah, after um, after fighting cancer. Um, yes.
1: Uh, and that I can't imagine. Anytime fighting cancer is tough, but near the end of life, I mean, the body's already weakened a little bit. Yeah. Unless you're some Superman. And uh, that's, it's just incredible. It's one of the toughest battles of his life. But Rick Hall. We'll get into this after the break. Was one of those guys? Um, what made me think of this Jordan Peterson guy? I've been listening to and reading, where he said, "Where true creativity comes out of when you have one foot in the known, where you're come from, uh, and you know what you're good at. You, you know and the sort of frame of value, your value system, or your your knowledge about yourself, what your talents are. One foot in the known, one foot in the unknown. Mm-hmm. Like whether it's fighting with a disease or." fighting with trauma from your past in the case of Rick Hall, his mother left him when he was five, left the family so he's raised by a single dad and a pretty you know, he sharecroppers in Mississippi. Right, not an easy life and he had all sorts of bouts with alcoholism and love affairs gone wrong and and so you and one foot in the known, one foot in the unknown and as you move towards time, that's when creativity comes through and Peterson talks about music is probably the only thing that captures that abstract idea. That, you know, when you listen to a song, you go, okay, I kind of know where this is going, I'm familiar with the notes, but it surprises you. You go, oh, the change there surprised me.
0: A Day in the Life, the first time I heard a Day in the Life. Yeah. From the Beatles.
1: Yeah, and it kind of takes you from, okay, I like where this is, I know these notes, they're very familiar, they're almost like this... Primordial thing where it's speaking to me in a way that I don't even have to think. It's like, oh, I just feel the music, and then it changes over time, so it's constantly surprising you. And it's one thing to listen to music, but to create it is also that project and that process. And uh, Rick Hall is one of those guys I think who straddled sort of the the light and the dark, the known and the unknown. Mm -hmm. And out of it came a man who created uh, all sorts of incredible music. And this is one of the first hits I believe for. uh, recall in Muscle Shoals and Fame Records. This is a... I believe he found Arthur Alexander. And Folks, don't just listen to me. Go find the Muscle Shoals documentary if you can. Yeah, I own it. It's amazing. It's remarkable. But this is Arthur Alexander. You better move on. The song was covered by the Rolling Stones, the Holly, so many other artists. And he heard them just randomly one day. I
0: think people forget that he helped write songs
1: too, like for Brenda
0: Lee, for Roy Orbison.
1: Yep. So many. So... We're going to go out to You Better Move On. But we'll come back, talk more Muscle Shoals, all the great music that came from there. Listen to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Alongside me tonight is Emily Hayes. We'll be back right after this.
0: But who are you to tell her who to love? That's up to her. Yes, and the Lord above. You better move on. Joey Clark. Well, I know you can buy her fancy clothes and diamond rings.
1: But I believe she's a happy with me
0: without those things. Welcome back. Somehow not to my right now
1: over modules here. I know
0: it late the world away. So come on and steal away. please steal
1: away. Again, welcome back and uh i got to jump it now because I'll just listen to the whole damn song. Um, Emily Hayes is here. We're talking about the passing of Rick Hall. I mean, the guy who really made Muscle Shoals happen and put it on the map.
0: Have you ever been to Muscle Shoals? I have not. Oh, it's beautiful up there with the river cutting through, and it's the, the Shoals. You've got Muscle Shoals, and you've got Florence, and you've got Sheffield, and that's what fame stood for. I believe it was... Florence. Florence Alabama musician enterprises or, or something or something like that. very similar to that but um, that whole area and I was just up there like we were talking about a couple of weeks ago and hadn't been up there since I was a teenager and forgot how much how much how much I love it. Um, when I was in high school our theater competitions were up there at UNA and at Bradshaw and oh man it's
1: just well and there's something about the place. Yeah, where it's this music didn't come out of nowhere. Mm-mm. It really comes out of that place. It you see the place at least just on film. You've actually been there. That music, whether it's country or soul and R and B, or even getting into rock and roll, it, like that sound comes from there. There's something about being in that area that makes they they claimed in the documentary comes from the mud.
0: Yeah, I can I can get that. I don't know if that was more of a dramatic effect kind of thing. Might be, but-, but that pocket of Alabama is it's just so special. It's kind of like how the eastern shore down south in Baldwin County is, is so special with Daphne and Fairhope and Spanish Fort kind of thing running up along Mobile Bay. Um but the shoals it's beautiful. It's you know, You've got the river running through there. Like, cutting off Florence and Sheffield. you got to go over the river. And it's it's amazing the group of people that are there. Because you've got the college students that are going to UNA. And then you've got people who are, like, heavy into the arts. And one of the most successful um, fashion designers mm-hmm. has a flagship store in Florence. It's, it's Billy Reed. Most beautiful clothes ever i walked through there the last time i was there and was just i can't afford any of this but it's amazing but you know you've got that and then you know rick hall did so much and there's not a musician uh, in the state of alabama i feel safe saying this that hasn't felt the effect of rick hall right uh, you know i've I have some friends in mobile that spent a couple of years up there. My friend Holly Mosley has been back and forth for eight years and uh, singing on stuff up there, writing music up there, Eric Erdman as well, and then the influence that he's had on other musicians and, and other people to go out and do their own thing, even when it's scary, when you know you've got your foot in the known and your foot in the unknown, like Single Lock Records, John Paul White's jam up there and John Paul White from the Civil War's, it's just you know you never. I hate that it takes something like this to really see the the reach. Well, yeah. That you have, but I guess you never really know. Well, I mean, and because well, we could go at any time. I mean, yeah. Any- I mean, I think the documentary that you were talking about earlier that everyone should see if you haven't seen it, but that Muscle Shoals documentary really shown a light on there. And I don't know that I'm not saying that documentary wouldn't have been made, but I wonder if the success of Jason Isbell and the Civil Wars and specifically Alabama Shakes just kind of brought the light back to what we do with music here in Alabama, which is make freaking phenomenal music.
1: Well, and again, I don't think it was just a dramatic flair to say it comes from the mud. I'll put it this way. I don't think it's a coincidence that you're seeing all the the stuff you just cited coming from that place. Mm -hmm. That there is something about the environment, something about the people there, the culture there, that allows for this sort of thing to flourish. Now, that culture might have a dark side. A lot of music comes from people... That have a difficult past or you know, or have a difficult life currently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's Rick Hall, for instance. He told somebody in an interview once this is Hall's own words. My father was a sawmiller. He made 35 cents an hour, which was 10 cents more than anybody else did because he was so good at what he did and a hard worker. My mother left my father when I was five and my sister was four. And she went to live with my aunt and became a matron in a brothel. Wow. My father wound up raising my sister and me. That was all shameful to me. We had no shoes to wear to school. My father cut my hair, which meant he pulled out chunks of it with rough scissors. I carried that shame throughout my life. It turned me into a rascal of sorts, and I became very hardened and determined. My determination made me a tough businessman, and I was very hard to say no to. All of this helped me become a great record producer. I'm the guy who started the Muscle Shoals music industry. Everybody in Muscle Shoals is a spinoff of Rick Hall. Now... Not always the humblest guy. No, but you know your worth. Well, and he actually does say that Sun Records co-founder Sam Phillips, responsible for the first recordings of Johnny Cash, Elvis, B.B. Mm-hmm. King, Roy Orbison, was an early mentor. So he does give credit to people that came before him and yeah. helped him out. But uh, there's something about, again, being in that tough... And he goes into this in the documentary where, like, life... It, he could have died as a vagabond somewhere. Like, life was not good. He was drinking a lot. He was not having a good time. And out of that that determination, he sort of learned, well, I I can take this thing that pulls me down and make it bring me up.
0: It's- yeah, I think that anyone that's successful, I th- you know, you're walking a fine line. Like we've talked about all night, you're walking a fine line of that darkness is either going to suck you in and pull you under Mm -hmm. or you can take control of the situation, you can be the dominant one in that situation and take that darkness and make it work to your advantage and let it be the fuel that makes you strive to get to the light or to get to something good.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's literally, again, I've been watching too much Jordan Peterson, but it's like old stories of heroes. Like, you go into the dark cave and you slay the dragon or you i mean, prometheus steals fire from the gods and brings it back to human beings like heroes that go into the unknown and face the big beast or face the darkness and they create something beautiful out of it Mm -hmm. and that is so beautifully put in music Um, and again i don't bring this stuff up because oh it's trivia it's alabama i mean all important Mm -hmm. but it's these things that are done by people like Rick Hall and all the artists that work with him, it's like almost modern myth-making. And I use that myth in a good way. Mm-hmm. That You're seeing these... You look back and go, wait, all of that came from there? I mean, Leonard Skinner's early cuts, like Sweet Home Alabama? Dwayne Allman
0: being a session player? Well, like
1: The story of Dwayne Allman was rejected, and he just camped outside of yeah. Fame Records until they realized that guy's so damn good. And then a guy, you know, the stories from the documentary of Wilson Pickett coming down going, what is this white boy going to teach me about soul? And then it's like, wow, he's going to teach me a lot. Mm -hmm. This is actually, I mean, there was something they had that was incredibly special. And it went on, like the the Swampers, I think they did Muscle Shoals Sound. Like all these Johnny Taylor records I'm listening to. Uh, Mavis Staple record, I love. They went on and worked on those albums.
0: Yeah, and that and that's a separate building on the other side of town. It's like going to Sheffield. Yeah, uh, and where fame is in Muscle Shoals, and it's so it's so weird because you know people like me and you and and those that are so into music and the history of music and where it originates and where it comes from and what influenced it and what difficulties people had with this and what successes they had out of what area, like how we can't. I feel like you and I are the kind of people that can't just listen to a song that we really like and not want to know more about the process that went into it. So knowing all this stuff about fame, how legendary it is, how legendary that building is and everything that's going on. You know, when you pull up in the parking lot next door is a Domino's or a Pizza Hut. Right. Yeah, and across the street is a Walgreens and an auto parts place. and. You just kind of stand there and you're, you know, looking one way and looking at this building and all the history that's happened here and all the amazing music that's come from it and the phenomenal musicians. And then, you know, you catch the whiff of a pepperoni pizza and know that you can (laughs) go across the street and get an oil filter and some windshield wiper fluid if you really need to. And then it's, it's just weird, that whole, I guess, juxtaposition of this should be a monument and... We're slinging dough next door, so. Well, and, but it was probably like that when they were making it. And, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's, you know, how we try to stay humble and stuff, especially here in the South. Maybe that was kind of a, a down-to-earth thing that you're going to, you know, pop outside the studio for a breather and. Well, and
1: it comes from us. It's not like, oh, I want this vinyl record, like I want the actual object. Mm-hmm. No, I want the magic of the music that that thing can, that object can deliver to me. Yeah, it's like I want to see where Fame Records and all this happened, and you realize—I don't know, imagine because I haven't been there—but you realize that it's not—it's the people interacting with the
0: place. Yeah, it's it's the ma- the magic is not the building. The magic is the people that have have come through the building. It's not huge, you know. Right. You think about. Uh, record labels and stuff especially now and you know like how and they had a deal with Capital at some point but the Capital Records building is so iconic mm-hmm. you know just stacks and stacks and stacks and just the process everything goes through now is what are the right words here Joey you're smarter than me Everything back then seemed way more organic, way more from the heart and soul, and I think that's why those records are especially so good because all those people there just had it in them. They had that, that they needed to make music. We've talked about this before: how you're an artist and you've got to get your art out, or it just bottles up inside you and will drive you crazy. Oh no! But, I don't, but I don't know now, but but now it's every, everything's of, so formulaic, well, and this happens with
1: everything. Somebody organically is a great way to put it spontaneously because they have their foot in the known and the unknown and they just go for it and something incredible comes out of it they take that hero's leap into the unknown uh, other people will go oh that is a formula and i can copy that formula yeah i mean i just saw an interview with george lucas talking about that how that you got a lot of people who didn't realize, no, what Lucas did in those movies was create an incredible mythical tale. He had all these, you know, different things he had studied in film and in reading you know, classic books, and he brought it into this world of, you know, spaceships and lightsabers and different fighting
0: western in space and so what a lot of people
1: saw was spaceships and lasers and all this sort of stuff they didn't realize it is a western it is a character story a hero's journey at heart yeah and so you had a lot of copycats that were crap space movies Mm -hmm. in the same way with music you get folks that oh oh that's a formula that i can throw a bunch of money into get a quick return and you know that's part of the process that we, as much as we'd like to think we're going to be heroic in life and we might have those little moments where we are, a lot of times we're going, well, it seemed to work out for that other person. Let me copy that. And there's a lot of that going on. Yeah, Imitation is our game
0: in there's, many ways. There's so... Um, That's why we talk about I, it. I tend to gravitate more towards those those smaller... Labels and those things that are starting out like fame that aren't any bigger than fame and, and quite possibly smaller than fame and making amazing records, um, like communicating vessels out of Birmingham. I've seen that studio. It's not huge, but it's beautiful. It's it's so well done, well constructed. It's done by musicians, so they know exactly, you know, what would they want on the walls here and how this room needs to be set up to feel cozy and comfortable to make music in. It's not just some sterile environment. And then there's uh, This is American Music. There is Single Lock Records. There's a lot of great stuff to check out that, you know, you think of what he did in the beginning with Fame, having the deals with Atlantic. Like, I don't...
1: Well, he was able to reinvent himself.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I'm so far out of it now, you know, when... When it was my full time job or whatever, it was very, very well versed on everything. But I don't know of any labels that are like, okay, you're signed and we want you to go record your record here. Hmm. You're sending me to Alabama? Well, yeah, we're sending you to Muscle Shoals. Trust. Because
1: they have the magic down there.
0: <laughs> but it's, and we were talking about Skinner and how there's a lot of people that. When they hear the line in Muscle Shoals, they've got the Swampers. They have no idea what they're saying. We could call up my youngest sister right now (laughs) because she's my go-to on just not being in touch with certain things. And say, Laura.
1: Well, and that's where we should be grateful for the day and age we live in because a lot of stuff gets lost. And we have the ability these days to go back and relearn things that uh there is a and i get into this where you get so stuck in your daily routine and the moment you forget the larger picture and we have the benefit of being able to pull up a documentary that goes hey no look at this incredible history with otis redding and aretha franklin and wilson pickett and leonard skinner and the rolling stones and then all the other artists that come out of this that are inspired by those uh recordings i mean it it, the ripple effect is you can't calculate what Rick Hall did for the music industry. He, he was nominated for a Grammy once. They give him an honorary one in 14. Yeah. So it's not about, oh, the momentary. It's not just the record sales. So that's I'm sure Rick was all about that. I'm making money, and I'm the best record producer ever. But it, in the end, it becomes this legacy of, okay, beyond the making money in the moment, because you can't take stuff with you, mm-hmm. beyond all that stuff, we actually inspired people and made people feel good in the middle of, like steal away. I can't hear that Jimmy Hughes song without thinking of a specific time in my life when I was very heartbroken. And the wail of that man on that record and it's what they they grasp on. That's one thing they grasp on in so many of those early soul records that sort of Percy Sledge talked about it, how he would just sing to the fields. And sing to people working out there with them. Uh, Clarence Carter has that in many ways. It's just like this whale that you can tell it's not somebody who was trying to become a big music star. It's somebody who knew they could sing. Yeah. And when you find all that stuff and how it affects you in your own life, again, the ripple effect of this sort of music, it you can't calculate it. How many people have heard a song that was made in that place? They maybe don't know it was made in that place. But they know that song meant a lot to them in that moment. Yeah. And it just has this incredible effect on all of us. And, I mean, we should pray for Rick's wife and his children. Yeah. I mean, they're the ones who knew him personally. We're talking about Rick Hall, kind of the legend that we know. And it's good to have legends. And maybe sometimes it's good to have some distance. Maybe you wouldn't like... Yeah, yeah. Who knows what Rick Hall was actually like. Uh, But... You know, I think he admits in that documentary he could be a real rascal, real SOB at times. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, you got to be tough if people are going to walk all over you. Right. But you also have to do it with, with some grace. Mm-hmm. Um, just thinking about how many people around the world have been affected by music that came out of Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Right. I mean... It's... You, that's you start trying to put a number to it and it'll blow your mind. Well, like the Rolling Stones
1: saying we wanted to go there. Yeah. Because they had that sound. It's how when I hear Eric Clapton talking about blues players in Texas. Yeah. It's like, I've never thought of Texas in that way. But when you're a foreigner and you're thinking about the United States, you think of things like Muscle Shoals. You think of things like Stevie Ray Vaughan playing in Texas. Mm. Or or way back, like Muddy Waters in Mississippi. And you get to these places and they're not these mythical things you may have built up in your mind. But that doesn't mean the things these people accomplished in these places... Didn't create a room. the
0: magic was with the people within the building. Yeah, that's that's what you get. I can't imagine being someone, um, say, like somebody from the UK is just a huge Stones fan. They want to come over and see Muscle Shoals and and, and see fame and stuff, and they get there and they're like, hey, th- "Where are this, we? This 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 is it."
1: Okay, all right, cool. Yeah, this is America. This is in <laughs> Alabama in particular. It is. It, you know, seeing the photos reminded me of going to visit family in Andalusia. It's like, where are we? God, it's so beautiful up there. It is beautiful. I know Andalusia's south. But, like, I've never been to the Florence area to the Shoals.
0: You should go. Uh, we did We did so much. It was like a mental health vacation. Uh, went to Fame and checked out a bunch of, like, boutiques and stuff because it was me and my best friend. And we we're girls. But, um... Mm-hmm. We went toward the Rosenbaum house, the Frank Lloyd Wright house. Oh. Nice. Which is something I'd always wanted to do. Yeah. And it was just that was It's one of his Usonian houses, yes. right? Yes. Yeah, me too. Yeah. It's it's the it's I feel like everybody not everybody, but people are trying to get back to that. Like with the tiny homes. Like you think about the yeah. tiny homes that have all the storage here, storage there, we can make storage here, we can do that. You walk through that Rosenbaum house and it's just you touch anything, and there's a it's multi purposed and there's storage, and the way that he built those houses, I just oh man,
1: well, I like never thought I'd drool over a house before, but they're small, but the lines of sight make it feel very open. That's
0: like, there was a whole wall that's just these little French doors that have these bolt like outside on the uh, patio there are little anchor bolts that you can slip an anchor through the door and that wall can disappear in the summertime or in the spring and let the air circulate through the house. But instead of stopping at the corner of the wall, the glass continued. Like he kept it. Hmm. It was amazing. But... I feel like this is going to turn into a you need to go visit the Shoals PSA. But you should. Everyone should visit everything in the state. Know what's going on in Alabama. It's amazing.
1: Well, if you can't go visit here and now and maybe you have plans tonight, at least put on a record. Your favorite one from Muscle Shoals. Look it up. And just wait. Put on a
0: record. Watch the documentary.
1: Enjoy yourselves and remember the the glories, the legendary aspects of Rick Hall. Mm -hmm. Rest in peace, right? Well, Emily, thank you for joining me. I'm glad we're going out on this one. Me too. Clarence Carter, Montgomery
0: Zone.
1: I'll be back tomorrow night. Talk to you all later.